The epistle for this fifth Sunday after Pentecost is taken from the first epistle of St. Peter. Beloved, be all like-minded in prayer, compassionate, lovers of the brethren, merciful, reserved, humble, not rendering evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but contrarywise blessing. For under this you were called that you might inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek after peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the just, and his ears are unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you suffer anything for justice's sake, blessed are you. So have no fear of their fear, and do not be troubled, but hallow the Lord Christ in your hearts. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the fifth chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, Unless your justice exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the ancients, Thou shalt not kill, and that whoever shall kill shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother should be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be liable to the Sanhedrin. Whoever says, Thou fool, shall be liable to the fire of Jehenna. Therefore, if thou art offering thy gift at the altar, and there remember that thy brother has anything against thee, leave thy gift before the altar, and go first to be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Reverend Fathers, dear faithful, one of the many buzzwords that's out there today in our vocabulary is, is that of activism. And an activist is someone who believes so passionately in a given cause that they're willing to go out onto the streets and plead for that cause. Unfortunately, however, in many cases, the activists that are out there are irrational in the promotion of their cause. They don't have a reasoned argument behind all that passion that is trying to promote whatever it is they're campaigning for. I think especially of the pro-abortion activists in light of the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, a lot of people upset and they're, they're getting out there and they're, they're just sort of attached to certain slogans that really don't have much substance behind them. Uh, slogans like, my body, my choice, or uh, guns have more rights than, than women do, or an embryo is, is not human, and so on. And what, what happens is they just get angry, but they do not take the time to understand the position of those to whom they are opposed. Recently, there was an interview uh, with, with Lila Rose, a, a pro-life activist, um, and this, she was being interviewed by uh, a, a British journalist. And the British journalist was, was very upset and seemingly totally incredulous that this, this would happen. There would be anybody in the world that would be opposed to the crime of abortion. And she was just throwing out all these sound bites that, that are given today 
to, to try to convince people that not only that, that it, it's, it's wrong to oppose abortion, but even it's just like unthinkable. How could you possibly hold that view? And what struck me is, is that this, this, this journalist was, was, as I say, first of all, angry, very angry, and then completely out of touch as to how empty her own position was. And as the interview went on, she finally threw out this choice argument that, that they often says, who are you to impose your view on everybody else? How can you as a pro-lifer think that because you are pro-life, everybody else has to be pro-life? And this was supposed to just like sort of be a devastating argument that was completely unanswerable. But of course, um, the, the, the view that, that we are trying to impose upon other people is that murder is wrong. That's the view. And surely we can all agree, agree that that view should have been imposed upon other people. I mean, the, the, the journalist's own life would be in danger if we did not try to impose that view on the world, that, that murder is wrong. But, of course, she's, she was completely out of touch that that is the position of pro-lifers. So sometimes these activists, the, the way they act is, step one, get angry because someone is against my position. Step two, use violence, use uh, threats uh, against those people who oppose you to try to get them to convert to your view. And then step three, if, if that doesn't work, then just get more angry. So there's, there's no rationality behind it. And my dear FIFA, I, I think we really have to realize that, that unless we were given the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and our Catholic faith, that's where we would be. We would not have the proper perspective on anger. This is what the gospel is today is, is all about. Our Lord teaching us about anger. We must be justified when we fall into anger. We must be very careful that our anger is rational. Why do we get angry? We must be careful. Our Lord says, unless your justice abound more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. St. Augustine commenting on that, he says, what is the justice of the scribes and the Pharisees? Thou shalt not commit murder. And they said, I don't murder anybody. So it's all good. I'm good. But that's not the justice of those who enter into the kingdom of heaven. That justice is, I must not get angry unjustly. If I get angry, it must be a just anger. Everyone, says our Lord, who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. Why am I angry? Why do you get angry? Is your anger justified when you do get angry? So many times we're not angry because someone has done something wrong, but because they're doing something that we do not want. They're doing something contrary to our own will. We're not getting our way. So say, for example, you got a family that's going out to eat, and, and the, the husband, he wants to, to go to a Mexican restaurant, and the wife, she wants to go to an Italian restaurant. 
And eventually the husband says, we're, we're going to the Mexican. I'm craving Mexican. We're, we're going to go. The wife's upset. She's angry. Perhaps she's saying to herself, my husband's being selfish. Fine, maybe he is being selfish. But is your anger justified? They're both good. Mexican's good. Italian's good. They're both good. Is this give you the right to get angry and be upset? I don't think so. It's a matter of indifference. The point is it's a matter of indifference. Or a mother's at home. She's preparing a meal for for supper, and she misreads the recipe. She she thinks she's to cook the meal for 30 minutes at 350 degrees, but instead she cooks it for 60 minutes, and the meal is spoiled, and the husband comes home, and his meal's not there. She's sorry, I, yeah, I messed up the meal. And it was an honest mistake, but he's angry. It's not that something malicious has been done on her part. It's not a justified anger. It's just... I'm not getting my way. What I expected is not being given to me. Therefore, I'm going to be angry. But there's no rational cause. The wife has not done anything wrong. She's just made a mistake. How many times, you know, priests are in the airports so often, and sometimes you just see these, these really awkward situations where people are just laying into the gate agent because their flight is delayed and they're not going to make their connection and their whole day is ruined and so on and so forth. But of course, there's absolutely nothing, no connection between the gate agent and this unfortunate thing that has happened. The gate agent has absolutely no power over their flight schedule or the, the fact that the plane is broken down or the fact that there's thunderstorms in New York City or, or whatever. But the person is just in, in a state of rage and and yelling at the person. So the, this, this anger can, be, can come from being so tightly locked into our own desires, like the activists are, and we just get angry because we're not getting our way. And I just mention as, as an aside that if we want um, to prepare our children basically to... to not get along with anybody when they grow up, then there's, there's two ways we can do that to prepare our children to basically get angry unreasonably when they grow up, when they become adults on, on, on frequent occasions. One way is, is to give them everything that they ask for. If they, if they say, you, you, you say to your kids, okay, what do you want to eat? What, what would you like to do today? Or um, they say, Mommy, Daddy, I want, I want this thing. I want this technological device. Or I want, my friends have this. I want this. And the parents just say, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. And when they grow up, what's going to happen? They're, they're going to expect that, that they're entitled to receive whatever they want. And of course, the world's not going to give that to them. They're, they're not going to receive that. And when they don't, they're going to be upset. They're going to be angry. They're going to be angry very frequently during their life when they're not getting that, or to tell them that they're always right and always justify anything that, that they do. Oh, yes, you were right in that situation. You should not have been corrected. Um, you know, everyone's unfair to you. You're the victim, whatever it may be. If children have this impression that no matter what they do, they're, they're justified when they grow up and people find fault with them, they're going to be upset. They're going to be angry. So 
Our Lord teaches us to be very careful about our anger. And this is so important in our homes. Our homes must be places of Christian charity, of peace, of harmony. Um, they must model what, what St. Peter says in, in his epistle today. You absolutely have a duty as parents to get your children to do what is right. You don't give them everything they want. But you don't get them to do what is right by blowing up all the time. You are calm. You are firm. You say, no, this is, you, I'm not going to give you this, or this is what you're going to do right now, um, without flying into a rage. What happens over time if, if the parents do not have that self-control and they just get angry all the time for, for everything, whether it's a matter of indifference, the, the, the child um, just was clumsy and broke a glass, or uh, the, the child was, was thoughtless and it did something that was annoying, you know, they're, they're just whistling too much at home. Um, if, if the parent is getting upset at, at everything, then, then what will happen, especially as they become teenagers, is the, the children will, will not want to confide in their parents. They, they, when, when there's something, difficulty that they have, or they've done something wrong that they really need adult advice upon, um, they will not go to their parents because they're, 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 they know their parents are going to overreact. Parents are always overreacting, so they're going to overreact. So we must make sure that when we do get angry, it is rare and it is justified. There is a very rational basis for anger. It's not just, I'm being inconvenienced, I'm not getting my way, or somebody's done something that upsets me, even though they weren't at fault. They weren't really at fault. They had, they had good intentions, they were doing the best they can, but they were not at fault. It's... It's very striking when we read the, the Sermon on the Mount and something we have to come back to over and over again during our Catholic life because this is, this is really where our Lord sets forth for us what is meant to be the spirit of our Catholic life. It's really striking what a high ideal he sets for us and it's so different from the spirit of the world and the spirit of, of those activists out there. Our Lord does not just say, you know, you, you, you must be, be careful that your anger is justified when you get angry. Um, so those situations where someone does something that annoys us or someone is contrary to our will. But what about those situations where someone actually does do wrong to us, where someone is unjust to us, where someone does evil to us? What are we supposed to do in those cases? Are there situations where... Our Lord says, go ahead, completely lose it. Throw a temper tantrum. In those situations, yes, yes, you can absolutely blow your stack against whoever, you know, that is doing wrong against you. Here's what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that persecute you. Even when you're wronged, even when you're injured, our Lord expects you to have control of your anger because it takes a very great control to love your enemy, to love anybody when someone's doing wrong to you. Whoever will strike you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man take away thy coat, 
Let him have thy cloak also. So our Lord, he does not only want us to bear annoyances patiently. He even wants us to bear wrongs patiently when people do evil to you, for you to take it to keep your temper. And if we're not able to keep our temper in, in our own homes, with our loved ones, with our family, how in the world will we be able to keep our temper with, with a stranger or someone who was a friend but is now our enemy is, and is attacking us? We will definitely not be able to do the greater if we're not able to do the lesser. How different the spirit is of our Lord, of the Word incarnate, from the spirit of the world. How very different. This is what he came down on earth to teach us, to teach us how to live our lives. During this, this time, the church gives us um, two beautiful examples of the saints. Of course, the saints are, are the ones who follow the teaching of our Lord to the highest degree, to a heroic degree. And there's, there's two saints right at this time who give beautiful examples um, of, of this question of keeping control of our anger, working for peace, being a peacemaker. First one is St. Elizabeth of Portugal. Her feast day was this past Friday. She, her, her great aunt was St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Um, and so she was married to this King Dennis of Portugal, and King Dennis was not a nice guy. Um, he was having illegitimate children with, with other women, um, meanwhile, having legitimate children with Elizabeth of Portugal. And one of the children that he had was, was Alfonso. And Alfonso sort of inherited the bad temper of his dad, Dennis. And um, Dennis was, was like favoring the illegitimate children. He was giving certain favors to them that Alfonso thought were not just. So what happened? Well, Alfonso assembled an army and he got his army together to face off against his dad. So they were going to have a war. Um, he was going to have a war against, against his dad. What did St. Elizabeth do? She got on her horse and she rode between the armies. And she, in the midst of, in the middle of these armies, she negotiated a peace between the father and the son. And then towards the end of her life, and this is, this is actually an incident that they speculate probably was so stressful for her that, that it caused the end of her life. When her son Alfonso ended up becoming king, he gave his daughter Maria to be the queen of Castile. So the king of Castile married Maria, the daughter of Alfonso, and he did not treat Maria well. He neglected her, um, he, he abused her, whatever. And so Alfonso did exactly the same thing he did with his dad. He said, I'm going to get my army, and I'm going to go to war against the king of Castile. And St. Elizabeth did exactly the same thing. And of course, it was, it was her family who was being wronged. I mean, her granddaughter, Maria, was the one who was being wronged, yet she said, I'm going to prevent all these people being killed by a war um, between these two nations. The other saint is St. John Gualbar. His feast day is this Tuesday. It's a, it's a very beautiful and astonishing story about how um, this, this man killed his only brother, murdered his only brother. And St. John, he's like, I'm going to avenge the name of my brother. I'm going to hunt this man down. I'm going to kill him. And so he had his 
band of buddies, and they were, they were out on the horses on Good Friday, and they, they were in this narrow passage. And what happens, but they happen to come upon that guy. It was that guy who, who killed his brother. I mean, and think how you would feel. I mean, probably a lot of you have a brother. And think about how you would feel if somebody killed your brother. You'd be very upset. So he comes upon this man, and the, the man immediately knew what was going to happen, that he, he was going to get killed. So he threw himself on his knees, and he begged John in the name, by, by the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, please have mercy on me. Do not take my life. And St. John was touched by the grace of God. He was moved, and he decided to spare him. And immediately he went down the road and went into a church and prayed. And when he did so, our Lord himself came off the cross to embrace him, to, to indicate what, what a wonderful thing that, that he had done, imitating our Lord, forgiving his own murderers. So my dear faithful, let us, let us examine ourselves on this Sunday that is called the Sunday of the love of neighbor. Why do you get angry? In, in the past month, the times you've gotten, was your anger justified? Was, was there a rational basis for it? Was it beyond measure? Was it just because you weren't getting your way? Was, was it, did you get angry over a matter of indifference? Or was someone actually being evil when, when you got angry? How do you act in your home? Are, are you a peacemaker in your home? Or are you someone who stirs others up to anger and are an, an agent of division within your own home? As I say, may, may the words of St. Peter in today's epistle apply especially to our Catholic homes where he describes the home as being a place where all are like-minded, compassionate, lovers of one another, merciful, humble, not rendering evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but rather blessing. For unto this you were called. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.